Thanks, Eileen. Thank you very much. It's the Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1. Enjoy the show. Thanks very much, Jeremy. Good afternoon on this Wednesday afternoon. How are you? If you want to contact the programme about anything that's on your mind, 51551 or ray at rte.ie. Fair play to us. Fair play to us. Ireland is set to cross a significant threshold later today as the 10 millionth dose of COVID-19 vaccine is due to be administered. Yay! We're great. We're brilliant. Health Minister Stephen Donnelly thanked health staff and volunteers for their work in helping to get us to this huge milestone. And Paul Reid, Director General of the HSE, said the vaccine campaign has hugely reduced the impact of the Omicron variant. Uh, We sure aren't out of the woods yet, but we are seeing some positive indicators, he said. That's Paul Reid, which is great. Uh, And now they've relaxed the restrictions. I'm a bit confused. It is confusing though, isn't it? So now if you can prove that you have a booster shot and you're a close contact, you don't have to self-isolate. And that's because so many people were out of work with no symptoms, but they were close contacts. And of course, before that, you didn't have to tell your employer if you were vaccinated or not. So now you do have to tell your employer both that you're a close contact, but it's okay because you've got a booster, which means you've got three shots. Um, So does that go against GDPR or anything like that. I, I don't know. And if you haven't received your booster, then you have to self-isolate for seven days. Uh, and the ECDC, I always hear ACDC when they say that on, on Morning Ireland. Anyway, the ECDC, the European Centre for Disease Control, have said that this isn't based in science. Um, uh, that it's it's just to get things going. Um, so that's, that's that. Um, I was at the dentist this morning. Um, yeah, and uh, you know you, you get the thing, and you're, you're you're numb for a while. And I do the promo every day, you know, where you, I tell you what's coming up on the show, and that goes out in Liveline. And when I did it, I was still very numb, and I I, I thought I sounded a little bit jarred, you know. I thought I was slurring because the whole left hand side of my mouth was was numbed. So I sent it off uh, to Stephen, and I said, "Here you go. Um, uh, I was at the dentist. I hope it sounds okay." And then Stephen, the man who puts it all together. Uh, sent me back an email and he says, Hey Ray, this is spot on. Thank you. Hope the dentist wasn't too bad. And sure, at least the appointment wasn't at 2.30. Tooth hurty. Tooth hurt. <laughs> so that's your little giggle today from Stephen. Tooth hurty. <laughs> uh, all right. I, I, it, it, it brightened up my day. It brightened up, yeah. Uh, the Sun newspaper. Here's a tough job for journalists. Go off and see what the best hot chocolate is. <laughs> that's a- Imagine getting that assignment. There's a nice assignment. Uh, so they've they've done it on our behalf so we didn't have to. Uh, and they've given ratings out of 10. It's a time of year for hot chocolate, isn't it? When you come home in the evening, it's dark outside and you're cold. And you're feeling a bit sorry for yourself. It's January, post-Christmas blues and all that. And what, oh, I'll have a hot chocolate. Thank you very much, yes. So, uh, M&S Fairtrade, drinking chocolate. Uh, 8 out of 10. Aldi, Chiqueur, Instant Hot Chocolate, 9 out of 10. Cabri Original Hot Chocolate, 9 out of 10. Uh, bottom of the list, 1 out of 10. Options, Belgian Chocolate Drink, according to The Sun. It's expensive. Had the least sugar and calories of the lot of hot chocolates. See, that would, that would be a plus for some people. Uh, but the one that got 10 out of 10, just so you know, is Galaxy Drinking Chocolate. This is according to The Sun today. Uh, just one sip gives you a deliciously chocolatey hit. As good as many you would buy from cafes or coffee shops. There. Five on five, five on red or tea, Johnny. Is, is, is hot chocolate your hot drink of choice these dark winter evenings? Or have you got something else that you want to share with us? Do let us know. 
We mentioned before Christmas that Elon Musk uh, was named uh, Time Person of the Year. Well, 40 years ago, Kieran spotted this. 40 years ago, the Time Person of the Year wasn't a person. It was a computer. A computer. Back in 1982, the computer was big news. Um, and uh, so the supercomputers were coming in then. And it, it's gas to think, right, that back in 1982, 40 years ago, uh, a big, huge computer had 128 megabytes of memory. Now, I, I never got into this. I don't really know what it means. So I said, Kieran, will you will you translate that to, for me in something I can understand? So he says, so, so your phone, my phone, probably has 128 gigabytes or more, which is 1,000 times more than the supercomputers from the 1980s that were named Person of the Year in Time magazine 40 years ago. So you have in your pocket 1,000 times more computer capability than the biggest computers on the planet 40 years ago. That's how things have changed, lads. Yeah. Uh, and of course, all those things that we, we, we only dreamt about, like Netflix and streaming and... and watching television of your choice that just, you know, wherever, from wherever, whatever time, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, Netflix is, is there. Um, we, we spotted this. Clark in Michigan has split up with his partner. And uh, that's a bit sad. So, we, 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 you know, we're, we're, our thoughts are with Clark. Uh, and he just spotted that his partner signed into Netflix using his password. And he watched the first episode of Squid Game. Now, you know revenge when people split up and you know, you've heard about uh, women cutting the ties of their exes and, and all sorts of things like that. Well, well this, is, this is great. And it's, you know, it's, it's a little bit devious, uh, but it's brilliant. So Clark, uh, whose ex is using his password to get into Netflix to watch Squid Game, is going to let him watch half of the run. And then when he's halfway through Squid Game and he's really invested in it and engaged and can't wait to see what happens, what's Clark going to do? He's going to change his password. That's that, There's something sort of genius about that. There, there is something genius about that. Now, on the show today, yes, we have a Scottish woman who's screeching at the sea in Holland. We've a Carla woman um, who's been elected mayor of a German town. And we have the Douglas man in Perth, um, who's on the front of the Irish Examiner today, and the headline above his picture is Rowan's 72 billion to one shot. And he stayed up for us down under. It's 11 o'clock down there, or just 10 past 11. So we can say good afternoon, good night to Rowan McCarthy. How are you doing, Rowan? Not bad. Yourself, Ray? Good, good. <laughs> this, is, this is spectacular. So a hole in one on the 12th, and an albatross on the 15th. When did it happen? Oh, it happened last winter. Right. And, and what's the reaction yeah. been since, Ron? Oh, since, uh, since then, mate, it's been an absolute roller coaster. Yeah. Uh, it's something you can't even describe. It's, um, yeah, it's gone worldwide. There's been uh, big uh, golf uh, magazines in the US big uh, talk shows there's been the, the national news over here in Australia done a big segment on it today Yeah. so down filming in, filming in the golf course for about three and a half hours today so <laughs> there was a good piece done on that and yeah just a, absolutely like a crazy thing to happen you know so yeah. I'm just trying to deal with it all and it's been a, a pretty full on you know yeah not not bad for uh, uh, an All-Ireland skateboarding champion 
<laughs> from back in the day. Ah, uh, sure. <laughs> so, so it's worldwide. You're, I believe you're only you're a member of a club that only has twenty two people in it. That that this has only ever been recorded twenty two times worldwide, according to that magazine. That you, apparently, you? Yeah, yeah, there's a source online that says yeah, there's twenty one people that registered. The same thing, hole one and albatross in the same round. Yeah. So, uh, I think that makes me number 22. Well done. Congratulations. <laughs> now, bring us back to last Wednesday then. So, you, you had a bit of a mare coming up. The, the first 11 holes weren't great, were they? No, mate. Like, a, as, a, as an average golfer, you just go out there and you just, you know, you don't expect anything uh, magical to happen when you're out in the course. You know, you just go out there and you're just, it's just more for the social aspect of it, having a laugh with the lads and mm. having a few drinks and stuff. So, um, yeah, just playing an average round on the front nine. Um yeah, nothing spectacular, a few bogeys and uh, one or two pars. And then uh, we went uh, on the, got onto the back nine. So I think the hole before the, the 12th hole, um, I think it was the yeah, 11th, it was a par four. So I got a triple bogey on that one. So it took you what, then, seven, uh, seven, seven shots to get that, did it? Is that a triple bogey? So that's a seven, yeah, seven yes. on a par four. Okay, yeah, that's a triple bogey. Okay, uh, right, right. Go on. Yeah, yeah, so that's standard for the for the, for the the average hacker, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, so um, yeah, and we moved on to the 12th hole then, and it was um, yeah, it was a par three. Uh, it was 169 meters on the day. Um, so yeah, I hit picked the seven iron out of my bag, and um, yeah, just um, just absolutely slang it. And I think it was one of the the best bloody seven irons I've ever hit in my <laughs> life. You know, it just literally just drew up and just landed on the front of the green, and just rolled trickled down towards the hole. And then it, we just lost sight of it because it was so far away. Yeah. And uh, one of the boys just looked over to me and he's like, that might have rattled the hole, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so we were all like, you know, in anticipation, driving down to the hole and uh, see, seeing, seeing if we could see the ball anywhere and there was no sight of the ball. And one of my other playing partners uh, walked up to the hole and picked the ball out of it and started screaming. Oh, he actually left the ball in there, sorry, and he just started screaming and going, it's in, it's in. And I was like, nah, nah. I was like, when he, when's he going to tell me? No, he's joking. Like, And I yeah. ran over to it there and it was just sitting in the bottom, you know. Wow. <laughs> it was uh, something spectacular. It was, um, yeah, as an average golfer, you just say uh, everyone's playing every day to just get that one shot, you know. It's a dream shot, so isn't it? Um, it's a dream shot. Now, it wasn't yeah. your first hole in one. You scored one um, pitch and putting in Douglas back in the day. Anyway, we go on. Yeah, so, good so, old Douglas <laughs> pitch and putt. Yeah, got a got a hole in one there as a young fella. <laughs> yeah. So, so that was the twelfth, and it, like that was your day made, if not your year. And it, it's it's only what the eleventh or whatever it was the seventh of January. Um, so then you're you're yeah again it, you fall off a bit then the next few holes. Do you? It's not great. Yeah, I well, like the lads were putting. Um, videos and messages into our golfing groups and the phone was absolutely going haywire, you know. Yeah. So my head wasn't in the game. I didn't I just wanted to go straight to the bar and celebrate, you know. <laughs> I didn't want to play any more golf. <laughs> but uh, we continued on anyway and um, yeah, the next hole I got a I think it was a triple bogey. Right. Uh, or it was a double bogey or something, one a double or a triple on the next hole. I just had no interest at that stage. So we moved on to the next uh, next hole. And I was a double or a triple on that one, right. and and so just we just wanted to move it along and get to the bar, you know, and celebrate. Like, but um, yeah, we went up to the fifteenth hole then, and it was uh, it was a par five. It was a four hundred and fifty-eight meter uh, long hole, so I hit the driver off the tee, 
um, sort of when it was a sort of downhill fairway, a little bit of crest on the on the fairway. The ball sort of hit a, a decent little bit of fairway and just rolled on, trickled down about 270 meters. Um, and it just rolled off to the fairway a little bit and it landed on a bit of, a bit of sand just off the fairway. Right. Um, so we were, yeah, 185 meters out then. I would, yeah, so that was the second shot in, 185 meters. The fairway was still going downhill and there was a little bit of a hill on the left-hand side of the green. Um, so I just punched it down out of the sand, uh, landed at probably about 160 meters and then it just rolled in and we just saw it like grit, like, gently rolling onto the green towards the flag. And then, yeah, because it was so far away there as well, we didn't see (laughs) the ball hit any flag or we didn't see it drop or anything. And one of the guys says, if that went bloody in the hole now, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So then 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 the thought thought actually crossed my mind. I was like, that actually could be in the bloody hole, the same to myself, (laughs) like... We drove down and uh, I I ran out this time like and in in anticipation going like I couldn't see the ball anywhere in the green and it just yeah ran up to the bloody up to the flag and there it was just sitting right there you know and it was oh, the the feeling it was a mix a mixture of bloody shock um like I I just think it was pure shock really yeah. to be honest I just didn't know how to comprehend it and how to deal with it but. Yeah, the celebrations, the hugging and jumping around and high fives and everything with all the playing partners was just, it was something else, you know. It was, uh, it was, uh, it's time to retire. Something I'll remember forever. It's time to retire now, Rowan, isn't it? Like, that's that's it. You've, you've made history in golfing and probably never going to match that again. Well, Ray, you know, if you play golf yourself, you know, it just all it takes is one or two good shots and it just brings you back the next day. You know, you yes, just want to keep yeah. on doing it just yeah. to get that feeling. Yeah. Like a bit of an addiction, you know. <laughs> yeah. So what about what about this tradition where you, if you score um, a hole in one, if you get a hole in one, you have to buy everybody in the bar a drink? Isn't that isn't that a golfing tradition? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it originated in Ireland or what, but it's definitely a bit of a thing going on in our golfing group over here. We've um, part of um, a golfing society over here called the Irish Park Golf Society. Right. So it's run by one of my friends, Ger uh, Lynch, who lives back uh, home in Douglas. Yeah, so he's lived over here the last few years as well. So he's the president. So a nice close knit group of um, people over here, and it's just all about the the social aspect and just going out and enjoying enjoying yourself, you know. Yeah. And so he, um, yeah, that well, that tradition sort of started with our group is that if anyone does anything special, win a competition or anything like that, we always just tend to ring the bell. I mean, you're just shouting everyone a drink in the bar, you know. So it can be pretty pricey sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Which you, which you didn't mind. So, so the the golfing magazine, then an American talk show. Have you been on an American, or you're going on an American talk show? I'm going on an American talk show. Yeah, at two a.m. time over right, here. So right. it's um, probably going to be a bit of an all nighter. So I've got the Corona <laughs> here in front of me to keep me going. Oh <laughs> Maybe not a good idea. <laughs> not a good idea. Oh, you got to keep on celebrating. Yeah, we, were, we were celebrating for days after it happened. <laughs> right. You know, so. It only it only became the big news on the Monday once all the hangovers were subsided. Right, <laughs> right. And what, what about what about the people back in Douglas? What do they think? Oh, the phone has been going absolutely off the Richter since it's happened. You know, just it's literally constant for the last bloody week. It's yeah. crazy. You know, it's a, it's yeah, it's, so it's, it's um, yeah, definitely something I'll never forget. No, how long have you been out in out in Australia, Ron? 
Uh, been out here since 2011. Right. Um, so I uh, moved out here after I uh, I studied mechanical engineering in CIT for three years and went over to Edinburgh for a year. Um, and then after Edinburgh, I moved over to over to Perth. Yeah, and life's good. So, yeah, out, yeah, life's good out there. It was it was uh, it was uh, it was meant to be a short holiday, but um, yeah, one thing led to another, and then uh, you, I'm here today. You know, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. uh, an extended and, holiday. And life's good over there. Yeah, absolutely, man. I suppose it's like everywhere in the world, you know, there's uh, there's negative stuff all around with all the stuff that's going on with COVID and all that. But, you know, you just got to keep on driving on. And I think it's good to have a bit of posit- positivity around the place now. So, like, seeing all, like, this, the what's after happening, this call, like, the amount of positive comments yeah. and stuff I'm getting, it's good to see a bit of... A bit of crack happening, you know? Well, well, <laughs> there you, doom and gloom. well, there you are. Congratulations again on the cover of the Irish Examiner, your two balls <laughs> in each hand. Uh, Rowan, 72 yeah. million to one shot. Well done, Rowan. Mind yourself. Congratulations. Thanks very much, Bye, Ray. bye, bye, bye. bye. Yeah, uh, five on five, five one, Ray at rte.ie. Into the groove, Madonna from 1984. Oh. Uh, a big mug of Bovril with a shake of white pepper. Warms the cockles of your whatever, says Tony. I can't remember the last time I had Bovril. Uh, hot chocolate, spice rum and coke is a nice winter evening drink for me at the moment. Not every night, of course, says Mark B. And I prefer cocoa. Uh, hot chocolate is too sweet for me, says Anne in Dublin, 22. How are you doing, Anne? And I've discovered the Aztec uh, hot chocolate. It includes adding a sprinkle of cayenne pepper and a dash of cinnamon. Uh, or pumpkin spice. It works fine with a packet of cocoa, but just uh, it must have milk, not water. And you can top it off with whipped cream. I'm going to try that. That sounds delicious. Cayenne pepper, cinnamon, mm, some of my favourite flavours. Thanks for that. Uh, 51551 Ray at And better tell you about our Real in the Ears quiz. I had to get Madonna out of the way first. She's still going there. Uh, so we've bits of songs, bits of news reports, bits of TV shows and movies and we're looking for two people to come on and answer three questions each on the clips they hear in their ears. It's reeling in the ears, you see. Yes, uh, a short clip, it's difficult enough. It'll get you two points. A longer clip, easier, get you one point. Um, so we're looking for two people to come on and there is a prize to entice you on to the radio. And uh, This week's prize is a very nice day at the Wilder Townhouse in Dublin City Centre. Um, one of Dublin's finest residence-only townhouses. It's nestled in beautifully manicured gardens close to the famous Ivy Gardens and nearby St. Stephen's Green. Now, today is a lovely day for a walk around the Ivy Gardens. Still still a well-kept secret, I think. Anyway, uh, the Wilder Victorian townhouse, steeped in history and lovingly restored, offers a luxurious experience for every guest coming through its welcoming doors. And we've uh, a one-night stay and cocktails from their gin bar and a full home-cooked breakfast. That's the prize. Uh, we're looking for two people to come on after four o'clock. And uh, here is the question. The British Prime Minister has been facing the music for his lockdown garden party today. Can you name him? There's an easy one. Uh, so name the British Prime Minister 0818 715 925 0818 715 Take a quick commercial break. The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1. Email ray at rte.ie. The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1. Or if you want to text us, it's 51551. Now hit that button. Operation Transformation on RTE Radio 1. Sponsored by Healthy Ireland. Helping you get set for life. It's that time of the year. We're all looking at ourselves and going, can we give up the smoking, the drinking? 
Can we get out for a walk, get healthier? Well, Operation Transformation is offering advice on how to improve your health and well-being. And Stefano Sweetman from Clamel is one of this year's leaders. Uh, Stefano is down in our Limerick studio. How are you doing, Stefano? Good, thank you. And you? Good. Uh, and uh, a man that everybody who watches Operation Transformation will know well is Niall Moyna, Professor of Clinical Exercise Physiology in Dublin City University. And Niall joins us in studio here in Dublin. How are you doing, Niall? Great, great to be here again. Yeah, uh, good to see you and, and good to hear you, Stefano. Thank you. Uh, so what, we're two weeks in, Stefano, or thereabouts. Um, how's the whole experience been for you so far? Uh, the experience is amazing, um, to be honest with you. Um, like your first two days in, like it's all new, so like you're ready for everything. Mm. I think like two or three, four days in, then it's like, I think all the sugar starting to leave your body and all the cravings are starting to kind of creep in. But it's just like getting tr- past that point. You know I mean, when they're kicking in, it's kind of like distract yourself and yeah. get out. Uh, and remind us why you uh, decided to go on Operation Transformation this year. Well, for me, more so was like for my mental health and obviously my health issues with smoking and pre-2 diabetes. Yeah. So that kind of all kind of came into one. Uh, and you're a hairdresser? I sure am in uh, Lloyds and Clamel. Yes, that's a full-time job. And then you have a part-time job on top of that in the family chipper. I sure do. <laughs> right, so you're a busy man. Yeah, every day. Yeah, you're married to Jer. How long are you married? So we're married uh, three years. Okay. And how did you meet? So we actually met through um, Facebook. So we did um, mutual friends and then he was working in a bar and I was working in the takeaway. And then at the end of the night, like we kind of catch up on social media and chatting. And then we just kind of met up one night and went from there. Right. Uh, and he's been very supportive of you in a lot of things in your life. He sure has. He's fantastic, um, especially the last two weeks now with my journey. He's been brilliant. Mm. And, and and what about, is he a smoker? He sure is. Yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So the two and can I ask about Jer? Is he going to try and give them up as well? Yeah. So the two of us now we're in it together to give them up. Like he won't smoke as much as me. Um, to be honest. Okay. Um, but a box would last him three days now. Right, well, let's start with the smoking then. Yeah. Um, so a box would last Jared three days. How long would it last you? Oh, I'd be onto my second box that day. Right. So, so you're you're between 20 and 30 a day, is it? If not 30 to 40 a day. Okay. Uh, and when did you start smoking? Um, well, I kind of started at the age of 12 and then in like 13, from 13 years up, then I would have been kind of like full on. Okay, and you're 32. 32 now, yeah. So you've been smoking for nearly 20 years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you're, it's, it's, I suppose it's safe to say that it is a habit and yeah. that there's probably an addiction there. Oh, definitely. Um, and t- when people tune in tonight, they'll see you going to quit. So tell us about that. Yeah, so I went to quit there Tuesday last week. Mm. Um, it was quite a hard day for me. It was like an emotional day. Um, just going that first step. Um, to go there and I think like when it's put in black and white in front of you and when you kind of see everything what's going on it was hard to kind of hear it all but I had to make the first step to go there and then go from there so I'm on like a two week cool down if you want to call it like it's kind of coming slowly down off them mm. like to kind of knock them one out a day two a day three a day um, so yeah I've actually cut down in the past two weeks like I've gone down to probably 16 a day Wow, which so- is quite good so I have like I have a date set in my mind when I'm actually ready to quit but obviously that day I can just keep it to myself for now because I think if I feel like if I put it out there it's going to be pressure. Yeah. So I have that day in my mind and I'm going to go from that day and And Stefano, have you tried before to give up the cigarettes? I have tried but I think more so I was kind of like um, fooling myself to be honest. Like mm. I bought the stuff and I was like oh sure I'll put it, I'll have a bit of that and a bit of the obviously that white stick thing the nigger. Mm. And then I'd smoke a fag then probably an hour later 
Like okay. I was just kind of like caught in myself. And when you say when you went to quit that you could see it in black and white, what sort of readings do they take from you? So we did like a breathing test, like I would have done on assessment day. Um, so like you blow into this tube, like and it kind of tells you the figures. Mm. And if you're over like a certain figure, it's like it's obviously very bad. I think I hit like 13 or 14 on right. the monitor thing. So there's time to be saved, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it was like talking to Angela, like she's such a nice person. And I think like the more she's got, it's like every fag you smoke, like it's a day off your life and do you know, like your health. But of course, stuff. Stefana, you, you knew, didn't you, like that cigarettes aren't good for you. Everybody who smokes yeah. knows that. That's it. Like it's, it's, it's a habit. Like, and I yeah. suppose it's an addiction. Yeah. It's like you get that first faggot in the morning like, and you're, you're switched for the day like you're ready. So I'm wondering then when, when people are trying to tell you, you know, people like Niall Moyna and public health uh, doctors are trying to tell you to give up cigarettes because they're bad for your health. Do you just switch off? Do you ignore it? Or what happens in your head? Before, like even my mum would say to me, like, you need to give up them fags. They're not, they're, like it's in our family history. And I would just like, I'd listen to it but then I'd get home and I'd just forget about it Yeah, and I think like the past couple of years past two three years especially with lockdown I've been smoking more so I can actually feel my health is actually getting worse mm. and I think when I met um, Professor Niall on assessment day and like, that scared me when I couldn't even pass like that test what test was that, Noel? Can you remember? Yeah, it was a simple spirometry test to measure the amount of air he could expire in one second. And uh, he did relatively poorly in that. Certainly his lungs were not functioning properly. Mm, mm. There was evidence of, of, of lung disease. And the, the problem with lung disease, that it's irreversible. So, and he's young. And the nice thing about it is, you know, he's only 32. And the data clearly indicates that if you stop smoking, if you've been a smoker, regardless of, of how many you smoked, if you stop before the age of 35, you lower your lifetime risk of dying, the same as someone who has never smoked. Okay. So it's, now's the right time so, for So Stefano. it's good news, good news. Yeah, yeah. Because it, it, it's, there's, as well as the sort of physical addiction, Stefano, there's a psychological dependency as well. So you were associating certain things with cigarettes. Well, that's it. Like, so I would go without, I like, especially with my kind of job, being in the beauty industry and like being a smoker, like you would actually take a fag before you'd eat food. So if I had five minutes to get out, I'd actually smoke that cigarette and have a coffee and actually sitting down to have a bit yeah. of lunch. And then I suppose you didn't think you were having a real break unless you had a cigarette. Well, that's it. Like, and yesterday was actually challenging because today, yesterday was kind of my first day back to work, like, yeah. like a long day. And yesterday now, like I got through the day, but it was challenging. And I just kept thinking, it's, got, it's only three minutes. It's only going to last three minutes. I can keep going. Mm. And so yesterday now, it was a tough day. I came home yesterday. I was a bit like agitated and that. Mm. But it's just getting your workout in and just kind of focusing on something else. Yeah. Um, and, and of course, one of the things is to move, you say that, Noel, and, and, and if, if you're a smoker and it's affecting your lungs, that's going to prevent you from, from moving comfortably. Yeah, I mean, we know there's probably over between four and 8,000 chemicals. Like there's 4,000 toxins. Think arsenic, lead, tar, carbon monoxide. And imagine this going into your lungs over a period of time. And obviously... Over time, the lungs start to to, to, to fade and they yeah. just don't work as well. Uh, and you get the wheezing, the shortness of breath. And I'm sure Stefano has it, all of these symptoms. Yeah. And then you get this persistent cough, you know, in the mornings. You know, you know that's the bottom line in all of this. Mm. You know, the, the issue is the earlier you start, the earlier you're going to have the manifestations. And unfortunately, he started very early in life. And I saw, in, I don't know if you saw in New Zealand, Stefano, they're... they're 
planning to introduce mm. legislation that will rule out smoking in New Zealand in, what, 15, 20 years' time. So mm. as you get older, you won't be allowed to buy cigarettes. Yeah, it's, I heard I heard something about that actually yes. during the week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so so you, you, that's that's one aspect of you. Um, there's the fizzy drinks aspect. Talk to us about that. Yeah, so that would have played a big role in my, say, life for the past, past two weeks previous. Um, I probably would have been up to probably 14, 13, 14 cans a day. Right. Um, fizzy drinks and that's kind of like your sugar rush like. so that's 7 litres is it are those cans are those cans 500 no they're probably 300, 330 are they yeah something yes, yeah, yeah, something, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. so you're 5 litres anyway 5 litres yeah. of, of fizzy so drinks that yeah. was literally like falling asleep like waking up during the night getting a can of coke a bottle of Luke's drinking and going back to sleep it was like my body was craving sugar and then if I needed energy I'd have like a can of Red Bull a can of coke do you know what I mean so I was constantly like a sugar intake yeah um, but the past two weeks, I must say, uh, for myself, I'm I'm actually proud of myself. That I'm two weeks I haven't touched one fizzy drink. Yeah, um, I, I, I was there on Saturday for you know your your yes. health check, and the thing that the, all the experts said, uh, Niall, about Stefano was it's a it's a big reset for him because you've the cigarettes, uh, you've the fizzy drinks, and tell Niall about your coffee intake, Stefano. Yeah, so coffee probably thirteen, fourteen espressos a day. Um, so every coffee was every cigarette. Um, so now I'm actually gone down to probably one, one and a half coffees a day. Yeah. There's a lot going on there, isn't there, with sugar and caffeine and smoking. And, and There's yeah. a lot of stuff going on there. Nasty, nasty stuff. I mean, the process, I mean, when you think in a regular can of soft drink, there's around eight spoonfuls of sugar. So you can start multiplying there, how quickly that, and then the coffee is it, more loaded with sugar. And the problem there for Safano is that each time he does this, his pancreas is releasing insulin. And it's doing this, it's working over time because the insulin is released to get that, that sugar out of the blood. And that's why each time you take sugar, you got to get it out of the blood because we don't want too much in the blood. You know, and over time, that's why he's pre-diabetic. The, the pancreas is saying, hmm, I've been working over yeah. time for too long here. I'm about to give out. And he's on the way to developing diabetes. And a change of lifestyle can reverse that. That's the brilliant thing. Before he develops diabetes. Yes. That's, that, that, that's very, very, very important. And it's amazing how quickly it can be reversed. Yeah. And the, that the, 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 the blood glucose levels and the insulin levels can start to fall. But that's, I mean, when you think about the coffee the cigarette and the soft drink. That's a just a surge. You know, how many times? Six, seven, eight, ten times a day in the evenings. That just wasn't sustainable. He's lucky he's only 32. Are you sleeping better, Stefano? So going by um, Dr. Eddie, um, I, I woke up probably 25 times in his sleep. Right. Um, so for this week um, was to stop drinking caffeine after two o'clock mm. in the day. Um, so that's actually going quite good because I'm only drinking one coffee in the morning when I wake up and I'm probably not even finishing it. And how are you feeling in yourself? To be honest, like I said, yesterday was a hard day for me back to work yeah. and you have that, like it's that kind of thing like where you pop out for a coffee and on a break, you know. Mm. And I actually did. I actually popped out for a coffee because it was just in the head to do it, but I actually didn't drink it. Right, right. Um, but I'm actually feeling quite good. I have a lot of my own energy because that was the thing I felt with the minerals in the coffee that was a lot of false energy. And now at the moment, I'm actually thinking I'm gaining my own energy and that's what I'm using. Great, because you'll need it because you're going to uh, exercise in public. Um, Niall, this is the thing about Stefano. I think his story will be echoed around the country. And, and this is the thing that we don't talk about enough, I think. People are self-conscious about exercising. Oh, very much so. Yeah. Very much so. And 
you know, I, I thought about this actually yesterday. And when people go into the gym, they think the whole gym is looking at them. But in fact, they're not. <laughs> they're, they're so busy with their own life and figuring out how, how am I going to get through the day. But that's, that, 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 you know, it's, it's one of the big, big issues. And it's the same with eating. You know, most people, when they self-report, you know, they under-report how much they eat and they over-report how much, how much the they exercise. exercise. And okay. that, that's consistent over the years. And, and it's always been there for you, Stefano, uh, sort of this self-consciousness around exercise. Oh, definitely. Like since a child, I think even going like from school, I, I just didn't do pee um, because it was just the fear of like getting undressed in the dressing rooms and obviously carrying weight as a kid. Mm. Um, then like, you know, like when you're like, I actually enjoyed hurling as a child, but I just felt like when you're last picked in a team, you're not wanted on the team. So that kind of knocks your self-conscience. Um, and then like with gyms and that, like I went, I signed up the year I was getting married. I signed into the Park Hotel. I think I went two weeks out of that full year. Right. I just, I went in there and I just felt like everybody was so nice. But you know, like when you go in and you have people who are really fit and healthy, like, and I'm kind of looking and saying, I can't even do like 10 minutes mm-hmm. on the treadmill. That I just felt like I'd maybe been judged like. Yeah. Um, so that kind of knocked my confidence even more. So like public um, walking or running, like it's hard for me. Like I intend to do the back streets or go like the blue way. So I'm avoiding people. Uh, how do you get around that? I know that's not your area of expertise. It's probably more Dr. Eddie's area of expertise. But it is a consideration because when you say to people you need to move more and you need to exercise, you need to consider that people like Stefano are very self-conscious and that inhibits them, prohibits them from doing it. Yeah, and it's it's one of the big, big issues is that, you know, in, in back and during evolution, people went out to hunt and gather. They spent the whole day in a social gathering, oh, yeah. and that's what exercise was. And that's one thing that I find in relation, particularly to Operation Transformation. You just have to drive in any rural town, or even I driving home in the evening from work, and you see all these people out with the yellow jackets. And think about that. A lot of those people would not go out on their own. But all of a sudden, they're in a social gathering and it makes it a lot easier because they're saying, well, there's 20 of me here, yes. so they can't laugh at us all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think, I think that, that's a very, very important point is that try to make it social yeah. uh, and try to agree to work with, sub, with someone because that's a social contract and they expect you then to show up, particularly if you don't, if you're phased about, about people making judgments on you. So I, I think, and that, that's where I think Operation Transformation has done a phenomenal job over the last... 12 to 13 years. You're a scientist, right? So you, you, you're you one of those show me the data. And we've, we've got used to that phrase because of COVID. And we've all wanted to see the data for the last two years. Uh, when it comes to uh, lifestyle changes, um, are you fearful that maybe people are turning their back? Some people are turning their back on the data for, for certain reasons. Yeah, look, it's... <laughs> Time has moved on. You know, the, the Operation Transformation is now 13, 14 years in existence. And when the programme started, I, I have a peripheral role, obviously, in assessing the fitness. And it was purely a programme for entertainment. That's what there was. How can we get a programme that people will watch and maybe they might learn something about weight loss? That was the whole notion of the programme. And things have changed. And what has amazed me, and I've said this to the producers of the programme over the years, is that I am just astounded by the impact it has on the public. How, for the, how the first two months in the year are transformative for a large majority of people who would never otherwise be engaged in physical activity. And I think from that perspective, and I think they did, they did a survey 
last year, the Operation Transformatic uh, Food Ireland did the survey and the, the response were overwhelmingly mm. positive that people, it was the time of the year, it kicked people back into that jump, jump mode again to start exercising. So I think, obviously, we're getting the message out. It's, you know, it's drip fed out, you know, year after year after year that it's important to be physically active and to watch your diet. But this is the one clear manifestation of it every year across the villages and towns. And a, a simple example is my own club in Monaghan, Scotstown. You know, they have a large training area and because of Operation Transformation, they have now put a walkway mm. around that as so many other clubs have. I don't know anything else that's been, pardon the pun, but as transformative yeah. uh, in the last 10 years to, to promote physical activity. Because, you know, you think this is a, you think when people are out in the country, oh, you've loads of places to walk. Actually, the opposite is the, is the truth because they're country roads, they're dark, they don't have public lighting. So they need somewhere to gather, like a local GAA, yeah. which is floodlit and they can walk around there and they, it's Social and its community and it's all the all the well, good well stuff. I could write a book because I grew up in the country and it's funny when I go out for a run in the nineteen seventies and eighties people would come driving in the car towards me so I just they thought yes, this was I funny yeah. and that's what the country's like so it's great and in my club they have a floodlit and they have seats where if you if it's too difficult you can sit down and I think that has been an outgrowth of 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 operation Tra- transformation yeah, there's yeah. absolutely yeah. no doubt about that. So, Stefano, um, you'll be sitting down again tonight with Ger and your mum, Marguerite. Will she be there to watch it again? Um, I'm not too sure now. It could be just myself and Ger tonight now watching the show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, listen, well done on everything because Thank you've you. a lot on your plate, excuse the pun, but you, you've, a, you've a lot to do and deal with, don't you? I do. It's just taking it day by day. Yeah, yeah. And, and are you hopeful? Yeah, I am. I think if I if you asked me that question two weeks ago, I was like, oh God. But now I'm into it, like, and I'm actually enjoying it. Okay. So it's it's a progress every day, day by day. It's a progress for me. So the next time you see Niall Moyna uh, in person, <laughs> yes, will be for the final roundup. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Niall, what 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 are you hoping for from Stefano? Now he's 32, didn't exercise a lot. You know, fizzy drinks, smoking, cigarettes. We had all that. If I was to put everything together from what I've heard today my main goal if he could do one thing stop smoking yeah that's without a doubt multiply all the other risk factors by 10 once you smoke stopping the smoking is the main thing and obviously he's now getting you know a gra for exercise he's watching his diet but smoking is the key thing here okay Stefano, you heard it there. I sure did. <laughs> you, you, you're hearing it over and over again from yeah. Sumi and from Carl and from Eddie and from Aoife. Yeah. But you know yourself. Uh, uh, thanks so much for coming into our Limerick studio. Enjoy watching uh, the programme tonight Perfect. with Chair. 9.35 on RT1 Operation Transformation. See you, Stefano. Talk thank to you, you soon. Me. Thank you. Bye Moina, bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Operation Transformation on RTE Radio 1. Sponsored by Healthy Ireland. Helping you get set for life. There you go there. Let's go. Quick commercial break. The radio. Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1. Text 51551. The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1. Or Ray at RTE.ie. Did you hear the news from Germany yet? It's big news. Yeah. A Carla woman has been elected mayor of a German town. The town is Breuburg. And the mayor is Deirdre Heckler, originally from Highfield in Carlow. And Deirdre is on the line. Hello, Deirdre. Hi, Ray. Luke uh, Wunsch. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, es freut mich. 
Yeah, yeah, very good. Yeah, no, no. Make German. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I didn't do German in, in secondary school, but I, I, I've said to you, congratulations, I think I've said that. Yes, and, and, you did. And pleased to meet you. Yeah, so yes. there you go. Okay. Uh, well, it is both of those things. Congratulations and pleased to meet you. Uh, and thanks for taking our call today. Uh, no so problem. whereabouts is Broyberg? And tell us a little bit about it. Well, Breuberg is, if you like, a small town south of Germany, uh, south of Frankfurt in Germany. So it's between Frankfurt and Heidelberg. They're the two cities that probably Irish people would know. And um, we're south of that. And it's a town with 7,500 inhabitants and um, rural area, yes, but... um, uh, very central, like we need about 40 minutes to get to the airport. So, like, you know, we're quite central then for the amenities that are around. OK. Uh, and you were elected mayor? Yes, I'm okay. an elected mayor. That's uh, how the German system is. Yeah. Um, it's uh, it's a proper then election and uh, candidates are put forward and are elected by the people of the town. And how much power would you have as mayor? Um power as in I have I have a parliament yes, of course yeah, yeah. and the parliament decides and um, if you like we have then a senate which is um, the next edition for other for other pro- uh, for other um, we'll say um, decisions that have to be made and then um, I'm the, the boss of both okay, of yeah. both institutes if you like okay and, and, and every town would have uh, a parliament and a senate yes Wow. Yes. And you've made history on two counts, I think, is yes. it? Go on. <laughs> uh, well, the, in the area where we live, um, it's the first time that a woman has been voted um, as mayor. So that was actually the issue that that made the the headlines here. And um, because it didn't really make a difference that I was Irish. Like, that didn't really make the headlines. It was more that it was the first woman that uh-huh. got voted. But, but you're, as, as far as you know, you're the first Irish person to be voted in as mayor of any town in Germany. Um, I'm not quite sure. Yeah. I think there could be some. There could have been somebody in the past, but right. they told me that I was the first one that was in a full-time job um, as a mayor in Germany. There are some some towns that we'll say just have people that are doing that voluntarily uh-huh. or something. Uh-huh. And there, there, I think there could have been an Irish person in the past. Okay, uh, you still have the Irish accent, and I don't know. Uh, yes. I don't know what a Carlo accent is. Is, <laughs> is there a Carlo accent? <laughs> is there? Well, well, there could be, but I don't think I really ever had a Carlo no, no, accent. No, no, right, okay. And <laughs> Highfield is your Carlo Town, aren't you? Yes, Carlo Town. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. And how long are you in Germany? Um, well, I first went to Germany, uh, well, I first came to Breuberg in 1990, and then I finished my degree in DCU and came back then to Breuberg in 1992, and I've been there since, so 30 years this year. Aha, uh-huh. and this is a thing that I didn't know, but there's a strong connection between Carlo and Germany. There is a strong collection between Carlo and Germany. I think that's probably where my, my love of the language came from. And um, we had in the 80s, we had uh, Braun yeah. and we had Lapley in Carlo. And of course, then that attracted a lot of German families um, to the town. And as Highfield was just across the road from both factories, of course, that's where the people lived. So we had contact, we'll say, in the 80s with these families. And I'd say that's probably where my love of the language and of the people came from. And your initial, it sounded like a J1, a summer job, was it? And that happened by, yes, exactly. that, that happened by accident. <laughs> That was by accident, it was indeed. Um, I was sitting in the university um, library and uh, a girl next to me had a contract for this company in Germany and she was telling her friends that she'd prefer to go with a J-1 visa to Mm. the US and she didn't know what to do because she'd already signed the contract. 
And I was listening and asked her then, well, give me the contract. I'll ring there. I speak fluent German. Um, I'll ask them if it's okay if I went because I was looking for a job in Germany and couldn't find one. So that's how the coincidences. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And what are the challenges that face you now as the mayor of Breuburg? Probably the challenges that would face anybody in local politics at the moment. Um, of course, with, with COVID, we're all affected. And with the, with the, um, the housing situation that we have, then also the whole cultural situation, you know, um, how to adapt to the fact that people haven't been to the theatre or anything over mm. the last years. Then for, for, for children, uh, for the youth, that they haven't been able to go to their clubs or whatever. You know, that, that whole issue. All those challenges. Is to, yeah. they, that will challenge us over the next few years, definitely. Yeah, you, and I don't think it's any different, we'll say, in in Breuberg than it is in Ireland or anywhere else. You're saying you're, you're, you're a fan of the language, but you're also a fan of the German way of life and how they do things. Um, and, and how does that contrast to how we do things here, <laughs> would you think? And be diplomatic, because you are a politician. <laughs> Um, well, I think that the whole reason, my family will probably laugh at this, but I think the whole reason that I loved the German was this, uh, the whole punctuality, <laughs> everything being so clean and everything being so structured and everything else. That was what I think I loved in the beginning. Yeah. Looking back today. Yeah. And we're not Definitely. getting that in Carlo, no. <laughs> <laughs> not really well that had nothing to do with Carlo we no, say it was no. it wasn't in Dublin either yes, so yeah, it yeah, wasn't yeah. a Carlo problem and, and yeah. there was a romance involved as well of course that was part of the whole there story there was indeed exactly I met my husband then when I came to work here the first time and um, yeah we're yeah. still married today <laughs> great and, and how many children two girls and what age two are they um, well my uh, our oldest daughter Leah Marie um, she is She'll be 25 in May and the younger daughter will be 23 in June. Oh, so they're reared. You're, you're oh, they are. Yes, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and no plans to uh, relocate to Carlo anytime soon? No, no plans. No. Just as visiting. We'll come over at Easter, the four of us, and um, visit my mother in Carlo. And um, oh, we love coming to visit and, of course, visiting my brothers in Dublin yeah. and um, the families. But... Um, no, no plans at the moment to relocate. And any plans to go higher up in the political ladder? No, no, no. I'm happy. Uh, my, my, my ambition was to get involved in local politics, as in I wanted to be involved where I live, and um, I have no ambitions to get involved in national politics in okay. Germany. I didn't spot it, but Tom in Dublin 9 spotted it. He says, Ray, lovely German lilt to that Carlo lady's accent. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> See, I didn't spot it at all. I didn't spot it at well, all. Well, you have to remember, like, I'm, I'm, I've spent more time years, in yes, Germany I know, than I have I know, in Ireland. I know, I know, I know. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you'll be a returning hero when you return to Carlo the next time. There'll be a brass band and all sorts of things. Bunting. And, <laughs> and we don't want to overdo it. <laughs> and cream buns. OK, Deirdre Heckler, thanks so much for taking our call today. Congratulations again. Thanks very much, Ray. Uh, choose, is that it? Choose, choose, is that Choose. Yeah. Choose, choose. Okay, right. Good okay. luck. See you. Bye. 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 Show on RTE Radio 1. Tweet at Radio Ray RTE. The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1. Uh, now, Joan in Celebrity was listening to Stefano and Niall Moyne. She says, listen to Stefano talking about feeling self-conscious about exercising. Can I invite him uh, to his local park run on a Saturday morning? That's not a bad idea. It's really friendly and walkers as well as runners of all abilities will be there. Uh, very sociable and we would love to welcome him and anyone else listening. 
says Joan in Selbridge. It's a great thing, the, the community around the park run. I don't know if they're back up and running. I must check that out. But it's every Saturday morning from half nine um, and there's usually a cup of tea after it as well. So, um, yeah, I wonder where is Stefano's nearest park run? He's down there in Clonmel. That be, might be a nice suggestion. Thanks for that, Joan. Um, you know that something's uh, in the ether and everyone's you know aware of it when you have the chat in the loo. And I, w- I was in the loo before he came on brushed my teeth, as I do. Uh, and Al from the Clare Bourne Show was there and he was talking about Wordle. Yes, he was having problems with Wordle. Uh, now, this is the, the new uh, word puzzle um, that nobody had heard of uh, two weeks ago and now everybody's talking about it. You just put in W-O-R-D-L-E and we were thinking of doing it live on air maybe tomorrow. I don't know if we can do it live or how would it be any good or anything. We were working on that and uh, Neve who's like a dog with a bone when it comes to getting guests is desperate to get Josh Wardle the man who invented Wordle onto the radio at some stage. So if you know where he is, tell him to give Neve a ring, will you? Uh, Anish, Tosh, and now the pre-skeleton and Oakdale caught to Wallish. Gurmago, caught. Thank you very much. Five on five, five on red, rte.ie. Park runs are indeed back up and running. Uh, I'm not biased, uh, but the best one is um, Corka Park Run. Uh, Corka, C-O-R-K-A-G-H. Is that in Cork? I'm not familiar with it. That's uh, from Andre Cavanagh. And of course, we did our 5Ks in park runs back, that seems like centuries ago. <laughs> it's Yeah, time is just all over the place, isn't it, with the, the COVID thing. And we're hitting, we're going to hit the two-year anniversary very shortly, as you well know. Anyway, reeling in the years. Yeah, bits of songs, news reports, TV shows and movies. We've two people uh, waiting on the line to answer three questions each on clips they will hear in their ears. And there is a prize. And it is a lovely stay in the Wilder Townhouse in Dublin City Centre. Uh, it's a residence-only townhouse. It's there near the Ivy Gardens, uh, close to Stevens Green, around Harcourt Street. Uh, it's a townhouse steeped in history and lovingly restored. Offers a luxurious experience for every guest coming through its welcoming doors. The Wilder. Uh, on the line we have Stephen Kelly and Bal Doyle. How are you doing, Stephen? Uh, how are you? Good. Um, you're recovering from surgery. I am. I'm recovering from a knee and tropathy. A what? A what? <laughs> a knee and tropathy. I went in to cap on. It's basically keyhole surgery to remove some cartilage. Right. Uh, uh, was it giving you a lot of hassle? It was. Since I'm a toiler, it doesn't really help. Yeah, so you're on your knees a lot. I am in this. Yeah. Uh, and, and you're up and down and on hard surfaces and all that. So the the, the knee gets a good bit of uh, wear and tear. It's got a 25 years now of bad wear and tear. So I needed something done. So thankfully, good people in Canada were able to help me out. Yeah. Christmas. Uh, and will you will it will you make a full recovery? Oh, I will. I'm hoping to be back. Hopefully, by the week in February. Right. Great. Uh, and are you any in any discomfort? Not actually, thankfully, I didn't have to leave on crutches. I have a slight limp. I won't be doing any running right. um, for a while. And I'm stay off my but I'm able to walk around. I, I tell you what, we're, we're gonna. I'm going to talk to Cathy and we're going to try to get you on a better line because you're you're breaking up there. So we, we will try and do that. Uh, meanwhile, I'll talk to Cathy Morta, who's in Colooney in Sligo. How are you doing, Cathy? Hi, Ray. I'm good, thanks. How are you? Great, great. Clooney is the last stop on the train, isn't it, before you get to Sligo? Yes, it, it is. It is, yeah. yeah. H- how far from Sligo is it? Um, it's about 10 kilometres. Right. Uh, and, from uh, the town. So it's nearly a suburb now, is it? Yeah, there's actually a lot of people moving out here now. It's really nice. Um, yeah. 
they're trying to get traction on the greenway as well. You know, the, there's an old railway to Galway, so they're trying to get that going. So bring a lot of pe- lot of tourists to Cluny as well, which would be great. Oh, brilliant! And and uh, what it goes all the way into Galway, does it from Cluny? I think it goes. Well, actually, I think it goes. Um, it's the old. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I think okay. it goes to Castlebar or, or Clare Morris or one, one, down brilliant. that way somewhere. Yeah, that'd, yeah. Be, that'd be great, wouldn't it? I'll be fantastic, yeah. Now, we met before. <laughs> we did. <laughs> a, a, a while ago now. <laughs> the Battle of the Brides in 2017. Um, oh, God, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, uh, look, I'm trying to remember this, but were you dressed in a wedding dress? Did you have to dress in a wedding dress for that? Yeah, I'm, I'm we, telling yeah. You, yeah, yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, and yeah. we had to, myself and the other, I forget, I think it was Laura. Right. We had to, we were the finalists then, we had to sing a karaoke song, which was quite embarrassing. <laughs> right. And it was to win your wedding, was it? Yes, yeah. Right. Um, well, you, you'd arranged the wedding already, as in you were getting married, but it was doing yeah, all this. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And, and she beat you in the final. So yeah. d- did you get anything? We won our flowers, which was great. Actually. Oh, great. It was a great, great house, yeah. Great. And, and you got married. We did. Yeah. We're still married. You're still married. Great. That's <laughs> yeah. all good. That's, you don't yeah. know. You can't be sure, can you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you've and added... we have an addition, yeah. 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 What age is Noah? Noah, he's 17 months now. Great. Brilliant. Yeah. Congratulations, because I haven't seen you Thank since you. before the wedding. Um, yeah. uh, and what do you do? Um, I actually work for the National Recruitment Service for the HSE. I just joined them last year. Right. I used to work for Aldi for 10 years, but I I took a, a notion to change. Right. And are you, are, you, are you working from home? I'm working from home now at the minute, yeah. Uh, how are you finding that? Um, it's Well, I suppose a massive change from my last job. Joe, on your feet all day and then I'm sitting down all day. Yeah. And but it is, it's great. It's nice to be home and it, there's no um, there's no commute or anything and yeah. no fuel cost, which is great. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I suppose the the, the, the the challenge is to separate, you know, your home life from work life. Because I yeah, think a lot well, of people it, find that difficult. Um, yeah, it's not too bad. You know, I have the room set up upstairs and no one's in crash now during the day, so... So I do t- tend to, it, it's important as well when I'm finished, I kind of get out for a run in the evening just to Great. get out of the house, you know. Brilliant, yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, let's let's see if we've managed to get Stephen on a better line. How are you doing, Stephen? How are you doing, Ray? Ah, that's, that's a bit better, yeah, okay. Um, right, uh, so Stephen, you have Lexi at home. I do indeed. So where does that name come from, L-E-X-I-E? You actually spelled it right. Everyone else spelled it, spelled it L-E-X-I. All oh, right, well, I spelled it right because it's written in front of me. But they... But, <laughs> <laughs> but they <laughs> but, but, where, where did you get that name from? Myself and my wife came up with that name. Oh, right, you, you invented it. Well, Alexis, it's short for Alexis. Right, yeah. Right, and what's the name of that computer thing that you have in your house? That's Alexa. Alexa, right. And I wonder if you, have you got an Alexa in your house? No, we have, oh, no, actually, we do have a Google Play, so we we don't say, we say, hey, Google, as opposed right, to hey, as, Alexa. Yeah, because it, everything. yeah, it could be confusing for if you said Lexi. Yeah, it anyway. Okay, uh, right, uh, three questions each on clips you will hear. You can go for a short clip, that'll get you two points. Go for a long clip, get one point. Whoever has the most points at the end gets the prize. Good luck to you both. Here we go. Okay, Stephen, um, it's 2005 is the year, uh, and the first question is on the movies. So do you want a long clip or do you want a short clip? I will go short. You go short. Okay, you're confident. Uh, so this action movie starred Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie and was rumoured to be the beginning of their romance. And here is your short clip by way of a clue for two points. You have no idea what I'm capable of. We're back at you, baby. Any ideas? Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Is the correct answer for two points? Yes. 
And he was with um, Jennifer Aniston at the time, but then he ended up leaving Jennifer Aniston for Angelina Jolie. Uh, and you know what happened after that. Okay. Uh, now, um, Cathy, still in 2005, still at the movies. Do you want to go short or long? Uh, we'll go short. You have to go short, yeah. This Peter Jackson-directed monster movie was a remake of a classic. Okay. Uh, can you name it? Here is your short clip for two points. Here's your story, boys. Beauty and the man who saved her from the beast. Um, Beauty and the Beast. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth a guess. King Kong. King, King Kong. Kong. Okay. Oh, okay. Right. Uh, early days. Uh, Stephen, your second question is on music. We're in the charts from 2005. Uh, what do you want to do? Do you want to hear a short. long clip? Short clip again. Okay. Please. For two points. This American singer who won the first series of American Idol had a hit with this song in 2005. So her name or the name of the song. And here's the short clip for two points. Kelly Clarkson. Yeah, since you've been gone. You're up against a good one here, Cathy. I am. <laughs> He's putting you under pressure, isn't he? <laughs> uh, so for you, your second question, still uh, in the charts with music, 2005. Um, you sort of have to go short, don't you? Yeah. yeah. You do, yeah, you do. Uh, okay, this American singer enjoyed huge success with her debut solo album in 2005. Can you name her or the song? And here's the short clip for two points. Gwen Stefani. Yes. You're on the scoreboard. Hollaback girl. Uh, Two. Now, uh, Stephen, here we are. You're on four. Cathy's on two. Uh, You can go for a two-pointer. Doesn't really make sense to me, but you can if you want. Uh, we're in the news from 2005, current affairs. So, do you want a, a long clip no, for a we'll point? No, we'll go long and this has been great. Okay. Uh, right. In the summer of 2005, good luck with this one. Um, a woman by the name of Dolores McNamara won 115 million in the Euro Millions Rollover Jackpot Prize. What county in Ireland was she from? Limerick. All right, you don't even need the clip. I'll just play the clip anyway. It was finally confirmed this afternoon that Dolores McNamara was in Dublin and planned to pick up her winning Euro Millions cheque. A large crowd of well-wishers joined members of the media who'd been waiting for up to three days outside National Lottery headquarters. Uh, there you go. Yes, Limerick is the correct answer. You get a point. Cathy, you can't catch him. No, well done, Stephen. Yeah, That's yeah. good. <laughs> Sorry about that. Well, well, Don't well, worry, Jesus, enjoy. <laughs> yeah, Cathy, we're going to send you two radar to show mugs. One for, oh, one, one for the office and one for the kitchen. Um, oh, thank you. Okay, and great talking to you again. Oh, you too. Thanks. Mind bye. Yourself. Bye, bye. Bye. That's Cathy in Colooney in Sligo. Stephen, you're making the very long trip uh, in from Baldoyle uh, to the Wilder Townhouse, uh, which is there around the Ivy Gardens, beauty, uh, in, nestled in beautifully manicured gardens. It, it sounds Fantastic. sounds Thank wonderful. You so much. Yeah, enjoy it and well done. Thank you. And good luck with the knee. See you, Stephen. Thanks very much. Bye See now. you now. Bye. 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 Darcy Show on RTE Radio One. Email Ray at rte.ie. The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1. Now, Cork Park is not in Cork, it's in Clondalkin. It's off the N7 near the Green Isle Hotel, says Antoinette, and they have a park run there every um, Saturday morning. And uh, there's a gorgeous park run in Clonmel along the Blue Way. Um, and yeah, somebody confirms that. Mary, uh, the Clonmel Park Run is down by the quay every Saturday morning. It's great that it's back, the Park Run. And Kieran says, if you do Wordle tomorrow on your programme, you'll ruin it for people that haven't had a chance to do it before. 
See, there's one a day, just if you don't know, if you're not in on the, the wordle craze, there's one a day. Um, so if we did it at, say, half three tomorrow and people hadn't gotten around to it yet and they heard it, it'd be a terrible spoiler, a wordle spoiler. <laughs> there are two words you wouldn't have heard two weeks ago, wordle spoiler. Um, so we, we we're chatting about it, we're seeing what best way to cover it because... Um, Anyway, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Uh, where have we got a song? Uh, this one here, yeah. And dream a little dream. Uh, as we know, yeah, we're in the middle of it now. January can be a tough month for lots of people. So when we heard about our next guest project, we knew a lot of you listening would be very interested. Julie Scott is a vocal coach based in The Hague. And uh, she started the Screech on the Beach experiment in February of last year. And she joins me now on the line from The Hague. Uh, hello, Julie. Hello, hello, <laughs> good evening. <laughs> good, good to talk to you, good to talk to you. Uh, so you're, you're living in, in The Hague, but you're from Scotland originally. Yes, um, I was born in Glasgow, but uh, my parents emigrated when I was four, so I basically grew up in, uh, in Holland. <laughs> and have you held on to your Scottish accent uh, since you were four? Yes. Wow. <laughs> it kind of sticks, yes. I've got my mum to thank for that. Okay, of course, yes, yes, yes. The nurture of that. She's talking in the Glasgow accent around you when you're growing up, of course. Uh, yeah. Now, you, you're a, a voice coach, a vocal coach. Uh, yes. So what does that involve? Well, um, I started off as a singer. I'm still a singer, actually. And um, one of the things that I've been doing to... Uh, um, yeah, well, to, to, to be able to pay my rent, basically, <laughs> is um, I started uh, uh, giving singing lessons and I was really into it and I really enjoyed teaching people because it takes one to know one, I think, as well. And uh, the, the, the voice expression lessons uh, started later on because I noticed that a lot of people um, have so many problems with her voice. The, the, it's, it, uh, a lot of it is shyness and uh, not being used to making certain sounds. And when you want to sing, it's, it's, it's such a nice feeling if you can use your voice completely. So that's why I started uh, doing that. And I've been doing that for years now. Okay. Uh, so that's the vocal coach part of it. Um, and, and then COVID hit. Um, and yeah. you went down to the beach and you started screaming at the sea out of frustration. <laughs> no, that's not how it happened. No, <laughs> the, poor <sea>. oh. <laughs> the poor sea. So how did the screech on the beach happen then? Well, um, last year in January, um, well, I think well, the same as uh, a lot of people experienced, I saw all my savings going down the drain and it was all becoming a bit worrying and frustrating. And I thought, well, how can I give myself a positive boost and um, one of the things I thought of was well I need to get as much sunlight as possible so I need to get up really early and go out and Mm. um, I need exercise and I I live quite near the beach so I thought well I'll go long walks um, on the beach Mm. and I was missing doing stuff with other people so I thought well maybe I can um, invite people to come to the beach and do some voice uh, exercises or something Mm. and then I remembered um, years ago I saw this uh, travel show on the Dutch television and it was about people in Beijing and they would go to a park every morning just to vent and 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 scream and use their voice in a very primitive way (laughs) and (laughs) and I always wondered what that would do and and how that would feel if you would um, do something like that every morning for 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 a certain time, and then I um, I thought of the project Screech on the Beach and in first instance I thought I'll do it for three weeks every morning at eight o'clock, and I didn't want to do it on my own so I made a event and I put it on my um, on my Facebook profile, and um, I turned up there the first day and there was a group of people. <laughs> 
<laughs> so that's how it started off, and it became this little ritual that we would do every morning. And um, yeah, and and uh, uh, it, 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 the thing was that um, every morning I didn't know if it would be ten people or two people, or, but I was never there on my own, and it was so, so special just to, you know, to to to, to experience that day so after day. Eight o'clock, January, February. It's just getting light, is it? It's just the sun's coming up. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yes. Okay. So and talk us through it then. There's you and you know, what, twenty, thirty other people. So what happens next? Well, then when I turn up, um, uh, uh, um, I give, uh, I do some uh, voice expression exercises with them because, again, quite a few people are not used to using their voice like that, and they have to overcome their shyness. So that's what I help them with, and we have we have a lot of fun as well. So it's like fun and games in the beginning. And then we all stand in a row um, towards the sea right. and we're quiet for a minute. And it's, it's like, a, um, yeah, like a small moment of meditation. And then I count to three and we scream. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and just let, let it all go and let off steam. And then after that, and that's actually my favourite part, we're quiet again for about a minute. And it's just wonderful because you just feel completely energised and um, and the silence after after all that noise is just wonderful. How long do you scream for? <laughs> well, um, everybody screams as long as they want to, but not not very long. I would say about a minute or okay. so. Okay, and and yeah. is it, do people say things or just um, is it one of those sort of screams that you hear in horror movies or what? What class yes. of a scream is it? <laughs> <laughs> No, they don't say anything, at least, well, no. I haven't really noticed. Maybe they do, but I'm busy screaming myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I'm, so I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> like we, we are a sort of an aural audio medium here, it being radio. So, uh, uh, And you're on a lovely clear line from The Hague, Julie. So it does yes. beg the question, will you give us just an example of, of your type of screaming, just to give us an idea? Oh, well, Yes, but you have to realise I'm at home now and I do have neighbours. <laughs> <laughs> I think they'll call the police. <laughs> we'll explain it. Just, quite, give us, uh, <laughs> just give us, give them our number and we'll explain what exactly what was going on. Oh, yeah. yeah. So you're, you're all faced in a line facing the sea. Um, uh, the no- yeah. what, what, that, what sea is that? Is it the, the, the North Sea? Is it or where, what are you, where are you facing there? You're in Holland facing out the sea? I don't know what sea it is. But you're, you're oh, it's, it's the North Sea. No. We're, we're, facing, we're facing England. Right, yeah. So, <laughs> so the, we're screaming at England. <laughs> you're screaming at England. <laughs> yeah. and, and there's all shapes and sizes, men and women, all ages. And you just start. Yes. I'm, I'm, is it it's like, is, is it sort of, I'm, I'm going to go back from the microphone in case I, I ruin things here, but it's like a... Is it, is, it, is it that? Wonderful. Oh, you it, can join in. Oh, it is you that. can join in any time, yes. Is You're a the, wonderful screamer. Yes, is it that though? Is it a high-pitched thing? Is it? A, well, no, it's, I think it's more low. Right, okay. Yes. So. <laughs> Do you want to give it a try? Oh, I, can't, I can't scream low. So, but scream is on a, on a matter of pig, isn't it? Scream is, is one of those words that sounds like the noise. It sounds like what it is. Scream. It's yeah, but I think for everybody it's different. And I, I mean, I, I don't I don't take note of how people scream. <laughs> yeah, as you say, just, you're, you're busy screaming yourself. Just go, yes. you know. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, so this happened last year. So what, yes. what, what was the reaction? What, what, how has it affected you and the people who do it? 
Well, um, as I said, it, 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 there was this little community that, uh, that, that started, and um, I haven't uh, I haven't been doing it daily mm. uh, after after the project ended. I just did it once in a while, and then um, about a month ago, I thought, well, we, we had the the, the news. Um, here that there were going to be more restrictions and uh, I thought well maybe it's time for a, for another screech on the beach session yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so again I put, I put an event out and it was only a one-off thing that I was going to do but then the local the local tv station they, they gave me a call and they said well can we make a video yeah sure so they popped over <laughs> and then it just went wild it was insane I mean it's all over the world now and, yeah. and it was in Jesus it was in the in the papers in New York and what have you, you know what I mean? So they've been coming over from Germany to film me and all the rest. <laughs> Isn't that, I'd imagine, I've never looked at myself screaming in the mirror, but I'd imagine it's not a particularly flattering thing, you know. No, no not really. No, no. Not really. It's not. No, not because, at all. Because there, there's that famous work of art. Who did that munch, is it, or whatever, the scream, you know, that, 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 yeah. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. So no, it's not again? flattering. Edgar Munch, <laughs> Edgar Munch, yes. And now, yeah. I, I'm feeling in, in all this, I'm feeling a little bit sorry for the poor sea. The poor sea. Yes, well, we, we, we thank the sea when we're finished. Oh, right. For, 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 for accepting our <laughs> sorrows. <laughs> but it, it, yeah. it's brilliant because it's, it's out there, isn't it? You're just out there. It's going out there and it's going to sort of like be evaporated uh, up into the ether or whatever. And that's that's the idea, I would imagine, isn't it? That you're yes, unburdening it is. yourself. Exactly. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, know, you spotted this and I've done a, a tiny bit of research, not much, but, but there was a screaming community in Donegal back in the 70s and early 80s. Yeah. I found out about that the day before yesterday, to be honest. Yeah. The, the Atlantis um, commune, right? Yes, uh, up in Burtonport, there was a lady, an English lady called Jenny James, um, who yeah. was the leader. Now, they sound like an interesting group. There was more to them than just uh, screaming. Um, and and, and uh, there, it was sort of, you have to remember when it was. It was, I think, in the 70s. So they were coming off the back of the hippie thing. So there was a bit of yeah. that. Uh, it sounded a little bit cultish to me, but the, the, there's there was a documentary made. If I get my hands on it, I'll send it over to you by by oh, a guy do. called Bob Quinn. And uh, there's a documentary I came across as well, a BBC radio documentary, and there's numerous articles on them. Um, wow. So th- there were the screamers. Yeah. Uh, let I see. 1977, is, it says this article. Um, yeah. And Jenny James. So, it's, yeah, up there, Burtonport, it's, it's right up the top of the country. Uh, and they they left in 1980 and lived on Inish Free yeah. for a number of years before relocating to Colombia. Um, Colombia, yeah. <laughs> Why there? I've, I've, I've no idea. I've no idea. So, <laughs> so it's, it's 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 a very interesting story, which we which, which I'm going to get to the bottom of. And if I find that documentary, I'll send it over to you. So what happens next now that you've got world recognition for your screeching at the beaching? Well, um, besides the whole Screech project, I've been writing an album with a, with a couple of musicians <laughs> this last year as well. And we've been doing that um, from our home because, again, due to the corona restrictions, we weren't able to come together and rehearse. So that's my next project, basically, because um, in, in two days we've got the first video clip that's going to come out. 
and then hopefully we'll be able to perform um, in the spring and the summer again. So Great. That's that's my next focus. Uh, and and <laughs> yeah. just before we let you go, if anybody wants yes. to go out to their local beach or wherever and and scream, um, yes. uh, what what you have to warm up, do you? Is that important? Yes, I think it is because we're not used to using our voice in, in that fashion and especially nowadays when people are sitting behind their laptops working from home all the time. Yeah. So you have to warm up the same as you would do if you go to the gym because you're using all these muscles and um, and also to get get into your body, you know, and out yeah. of your head. And, uh, <laughs> and what I always say is like um, people are worried about straining their voice and having problems with it afterwards and I always say well kids scream all the day and you never you, you never, never hear them complaining about their voice you know yeah. there's, so there's something do it, there's something completely. lovely and liberating about shouting um, I don't know if I do it in a group but I love doing it on my own when, when I'm out and there's nobody around uh, Julie Scott oh, really? yes yeah well that's another day's story uh, Julie Scott okay. Screech at the Beach thanks so much for taking time out to talk to us today and uh, it's a pity you didn't get to scream but that's for another Aww. day as well. thanks Julie bye Bye now. Bye, bye. That's it from us. Uh, Cormac and Sarah are on the way. We are back tomorrow at three o'clock. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday evening. Yes, it is Wednesday. It's the Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1.